Well, welcome to episode seven of A Funny Story About Money. Uh, again, I've, I've just been really lucky with my guests. I'm really excited to have this guy on. He's actually sort of an interesting guest because he's a comedian like myself. That's how we met, but he's also a chef. And I just had a great lunch in his restaurant, The Writer's Room. And, and uh, he's got a really cool story to tell. I know he does. So please welcome to the show, David Husserl. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. I feel like this isn't recording or some shit. <laughs> Sorry, my voice is so monotone, I actually didn't think it was recording. Sorry, welcome again, David Husserl. I'm still here. Perfect. We just had a fun chat, actually, before we started, and, and so I'm excited about this conversation. We're sitting here in your restaurant, and we'll, we'll get to that, but your story is so much more than this. Tell me a little bit about yourself first, and... We'll go to the beginning. Let's go right to the beginning? Well, I mean, not the day you were born. Okay, because that would have been the beginning. Uh, Self-employed for a long time. It seems like a long time. I'm turning 50 this week, so that's an easy way to put it. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, I became self-employed at 22. I guess when do we all become? Did you have a paper route? No, but I did walks and lawns. Yeah, me too. I was yeah. all about mowing lawns and all that stuff when I was like 12 and 11 and stuff like this too. Yeah. And then got a job at 13 in kitchens and knew, knew at 13 kind of thing that that was. As soon as I walked in the walk-in cooler, I'm like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty odd. I, I, you know, you see Tommy Lee hitting drums or hitting the pots and pans with the, the pot, you know, the, the spoons and stuff. That, that was my epiphany was walking into a walk-in cooler and kind of been in there ever since. And then uh, trained very hard from that day, went through my apprenticeship, uh, moved to Jasper, did my apprenticeship at the Fairmont, and then uh, had an opportunity to open a restaurant called Fiddle River Seafood Company in Jasper with another couple of young guys. They were 27 and 20, I was 22 at the time. Uh, we were the only second floor restaurant in Jasper. At, uh, we were the first ones and everybody was telling us how- Where's that now in Jasper? It's uh, still right on uh, Connaught Drive. It's still there. It's called Fiddle River. And oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was opened in 92. It's uh, So the bar below it is called the Downstream Bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, opened that way back then. And then, oh, I'm just like, we're gonna go wide right there, just doing a little tour around. Oh, hey guys, nice. sorry, we're just recording an interview. Forgive us. Oh, <laughs> No worries, man. Good to see you. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kenzie. No, no worries. Our recording studio just got interrupted, but that's that. <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, opened Fiddle River way back then, and with that, opened up a second restaurant in 1995 called the Takara Restaurant, also in Jasper, and that's kind of became my flagship place where I kind of made my bones. I was featured in the New York Times. It was written about in Vogue magazine. It was... It was quite a hullabaloo for quite a while, and uh, that propelled me to other stuff. Moved to Maui, Hawaii for five winters, was very into fish and seafood, wanted to train to become the best fin fish seafood uh, chef in, in Canada. So moved to Hawaii, picked up my knives and my, uh, and my chef's coat, and just worked for Alex Peroy for one season. Uh, went back for another season, went back for another season, loved Hawaii, opened a restaurant there called uh, Big Wave Cafe across the street from the second busiest McDonald's in uh, in North America, so that kind of tells you what our traffic velocities were like. Right. And then I uh, just what kept... What island, Honolulu? It was on, uh, on Maui, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, right on South Maui. And uh, yeah, just... And that also just, you know, each kind of place I opened kind of propelled me to my next, and then just kept opening restaurants, and uh, yeah. 
that's and then I guess well Wells <laughs> then uh, Wood Buffalo Brewing Company we became a partner in in that in Fort McMurray and then brings me to here which is the writers room in Edmonton Alberta a bar with surprisingly good food right in the university campus area crazy and what's the writers room is the old Hudson's in Devaney was that's right Devaney's before this is one of those locations in Edmonton that I think anybody of prominence has gone to the U of A has been drunk in this room like right. I've, I've heard old ladies talk about getting drunk with Peter Pocklington in this room I've heard Wayne Gretzky getting carried out of this bar uh, it's <laughs> it's all yeah so it's a bit of an Edmonton staple yeah that uh, seems to propel other restaurateurs into bigger better things you know the Hudson's like this was their flagship place when it got started and allowed them to, to grow into sort of the, the empire they are today. Right. So when this came available, and uh, this was, you know, I've had this landlord in the past. This this is Midwest, who are incredible landlords. They were my property owners for Takara in Jasper. Okay. Uh, when this came available, this was a natural fitting for ours. Because your landlord is is ultimately your long-term business partner. <laughs> There's no other way to right. put it. You, you folks are entwined. you got to get along. So they had... They had 20 years of me paying rent on time and seeing how well I behave in their spot, and uh, it was a pretty natural fit for them. So Nice. So we've got way too much shit for me to get through in an hour. Okay. My questions are so slow. I <laughs> but that's like, that's an unbelievable series of events, and I know there's other business ventures in between mm-hmm. that I've seen even since you got into the comedy game. So... So why don't you tell me about a little bit about why you started, why it's called the writer's room, what your idea for this space is. Sure. And then uh, and then we'll go back to the first time in the kitchen and I'll try and get a little bit more detail out of you from uh, each sort of venture. Absolutely. Any place that I open up a, a food and beverage outlet, it's uh, you're playing music to an audience. So like I say, uh, I had a restaurant in Maui, I had a restaurant in Fort McMurray. When you're, when you're playing music and you look out and you see all cowboy hats, you better be playing country music. So right. when you look around, you better be making the food that these kind of people want to like. Or you're, you're, you're not going to convince somebody something is excellent if they've already predetermined in their mind it's something they want. So with this location, we understand this is a bar restaurant. This has two levels. We're in the university area. There's a lot of th- you know things that people would think were price sensitive about the area, you know, poor students and whatnot. But there's so much more to draw from here as far as clientele. There's eclectic people that are also the professors, administration, there's the hospital workers, there's, and people's diets and understanding of food and their education when it comes down to it is so much more eclectic. So we've had to become a bar with surprisingly good food. And what does that mean? When you come into a place with a bar, you expect certain things to be there. You expect a bacon cheddar sandwich, you have a burger, you expect wings, you expect nachos. I've got uh, such a deep pedigree into food that I know that I knew that I could elevate a lot of these simple products and take a lot of our basic products and elevate them to the level that the public around here would would really gravitate to. Mm-hmm. And they seem they seem to have so far. So, you know, like I, I kid around and a lot of the attention is being paid right now to the craft dinner that we have on the menu with the lobster and the sour pickle and the crisp prosciutto, the CBC, oh here comes me waving my flag, the CBC called it genius. <laughs> 
we made it on the news and whatnot. I just ate it. Oh, you just it had it? Really oh, that's, that's so cool. I well because I saw the thing the thing on Global, so I was like, well, I, before we do the podcast. Oh, I interesting. Oh, I'm glad it. you had it. Oh, that's great. It was really, like crazy. It'd right? be funny if it stunk. You know what I mean? Now you just like it was the worst thing, <laughs> worst thing I've ever had. I can't believe you're getting seventeen. Yeah, I, I, made, can't... I made way better. Just, just I can't believe you're box. charging seventeen bucks for that. <laughs> that would be amazing. In the sense that we. We take pride in the fact that, yeah, we got spam on the menu, using craft dinner, I got Doritos in my pickles, but I'm also making the bread here every day. You know what I mean? Right. We're, there's so, their sauces are made scratch. There are the reduction sauces. There's, there's attention to all the flavor profiles and the ingredients chosen. Uh, the cheeses we buy are local cheeses. So it's, we're allowing people to have uh, fun with the food in a sort of a, in a, in a more playful way than I think has been established in a long time where I'm still using natural ingredients. You, you, you're not gonna leave here, you know, as I'm saying, we have craft Dinner and Spam, but I'm saying like our bread has four ingredients and one of them is water. So it's, uh, you're gonna leave here feeling good and uh, you can probably eat here for six, seven days a week and probably look pretty good too. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, as I said to you, I, I tried it first about a month ago, I was in the area and I yeah. came in to see if you were in and, and uh, my wife was in the hospital a few months ago with her broken neck and and I was like, oh, I should have come in. You guys had just opened, but I didn't quite realize where you were yet. Right, right, right. And then, so, you know, every time I'm in the area, I'll come in for for a beer and some food for sure. Try something different on the menu because everything's sort of unique. Well, we're like, counting on you, Kent. You know what I mean? Honestly, well, without you, like, we don't have a business here. Totally. So. <laughs> without, of course. Nobody has a business without Kent. That's right? exactly That's right. the way it goes in Edmonton, right? But that's, that is the, uh, you know, and when you talk about, okay, what is the writer's room in this, because it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. in the sense that this is, of course, you, we walk in, we're celebrating writers on the wall, we have Bukowski and Hemingway and all that, and it's a bit of tongue in cheek as well. But also coming from the background of comedy, I, I hear about talking about the writer's room all the time in Saturday Night Live uh, writer's rooms, right. oh, Letterman's yeah. writer's room. I'm like, we all have a connection to that as well. So, sure. yeah, that's that's where part of that comes from. Well, and I've done a bunch of, and we talked about this earlier, so in the basement in the space, so you're going to start a comedy show at some point. Absolutely. No yeah. question. Yeah. It, it would be weird if we didn't in the sense that, first of all, it's basement was where comedy should be happening. Right. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to host just based on time commitments or whatnot or how it's going to be, but it will be a David Husserl production. It'll be, it'll right. be that. Nice. I'm going to cough, so you talk for a bit, okay? Yeah. Cough over here. For sure. <laughs> well, I just had a burp, so it's <laughs> Well-timed burp cough. So that's where the Maui spam came from then on the menu is from when your time in Hawaii? That's exactly. Yeah, I have a lot of... Inf I don't want to say a lot of influence, but because I think everybody has tuna pokey on their on their menus right now, and I think I'm the only one that deserves to have it there. <coughs> Forgive me with this. It was unbelievable. Dry throwing. Yeah. The first time I had tuna pokey was two years ago. I was in Hawaii with my brother-in-law. He made me get it from the superstore. Oh yeah. Unbelievable. Fantastic. And, and you'll now, never never eat healthier. You'll never get more satisfying. And oh, it's so yeah, good for I just you too. Feel good. And then. Now every time I see it on a menu, which it you're right, it's on every menu mm -hmm. in Edmonton basically now. Mm -hmm. I'll get it though because yeah. it's like it does feel good to eat it. Absolutely. And yours was amazing. Thank you. I mean, Thank so, you. It'd be uh, weird if it wasn't. You know, after right, all this talk. After you just said yeah. that yours should be the best. Right. <laughs> no kidding. Can you give me a pause just for a second? For sure, of course. I'm gonna run get a beer. Back to hot poke talk. 
uh, or pokey. I don't. I don't like saying poke, but that's okay. What? How does it? How do you say it? It's it, 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 no matter what. If I correct anyway, we're all gonna sound like douchebags. You know what right. I mean? Like I, it, okay. I agree. It's it's. I'm from that world, and I often think that chefs that write menus or weave stuff in that they've never you've never heard before. They googled ten minutes ago. Like they're just lording that over you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? In the sense of like. Oh, we're using ahi poke. Oh, is that what it is? Is that how we're pronouncing it now? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so thanks. Okay, a, you're like better a, than me. When a waitress like corrects me when I'm like a poke bowl, and she's like, poke? Yeah. I, yeah, what, what, what were you going to get that confused by? Right. Get out your pen and paper. First of all, I want to see you start writing stuff down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't trust you. you don't? <laughs> no, I don't trust you don't. them when they don't know. I, I do. I do like you? Yeah, no. Yeah. No, I know you're getting stuff wrong right away. Well, I wouldn't be able to do it. Well, we're on a strict pen and paper policy here. Oh, you are? Oh, absolutely we are. It's a, it's a real conversation, and I'm not even kidding you. Well, and that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't understand how anybody could remember that, what I asked. Well, the thing is, I don't trust, I don't trust people enough to be succinct enough and giving, if it was just you and me giving orders, no problem. But the rest of the world are just not, they're not able to, okay, you know what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a bacon cheddar burger. Is that what I wanted? Was it the bacon cheddar burger, but I don't eat onions? I'm going to get the bacon cheddar burger, but without onion. How do you do your onions? No, no onions. No onions. But I'm going to get it with French fries, but I should be eating more. And the sense is now, we've done 10 laps I've around. I've 45 orders yeah, in my head. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And this poor gal, she's, you know, clearing tables. Write it down. Write it right. down. Well, but on your menu, it strictly says if you think you should change the order or want it prepared differently, order something else. It, it says something like that, but uh, that's that's a, a good summation. Uh, if you feel the need to change the dish's uh, preparation or ingredients, please feel free to order a different dish, is, is what I say. Yeah. Right. And that comes from a place that I am invested in your happiness. And the ingredients you put into your dishes. This is a song. There are chords in a guitar. There are absolute chords in a guitar, and they strum. And if one of the chords is missing, that's not the same song. And that's cool. You're not going to die of starvation. I want you to eat here. I want you to have an amazing experience where all the synapses in your brain are firing. You're having these great pleasure centers letting go. But if you're not having the same experience with food or life experience that I am, that's cool. Move on. That's no big to me. It's actually funny. It's kind of like corporate comedy. Oh, got to change your set. Oh, I never thought of that comparison. That's very interesting. Because it's impossible, and people don't understand this. Why is a Christmas party hard? Because you're not allowed to tell your jokes quite the way that you would. Well, yeah, I've never made that connection. You're absolutely right. You're taking out a couple key ingredients that people think don't matter that much, but you know because you've told that joke 250 times. That is a key ingredient. It, it's at, at this level of, of cooking, and I know we're in a bar, and I know my price points are low, but you're getting a chef with a black belt in this. You have to put me in your hands a little bit and let me take you through this. And this is honestly just comes from a place of experience that, uh, you know, I think back even at Takara, I had this super VIP coming in from the Fairmont. Here, we were all pumped to have him. Wanted to order one of my fish dishes on potato instead of rice. I let him. I let him. Went back to the concierge desk that night and said, eh, a little greasy. And you had I, a mistake. Yeah. I, n- I don't think I ever stopped crying. Maybe I stopped crying a couple nights ago. But, <laughs> right. y- you know, Still it's... Still thinking about it? Oh, sure. Oh, oh sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. It's... Uh, this is... And I, I don't want to get too much into the... Oh, I will. Into the gluten and the old dietary stuff there, too. 
I think it's a bit of an announcement of mental illness and the things that you have to tell the rest of the world that you need something different because you're not well. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's a weird announcement. I, I, I think that I, I think the whole gluten intolerance thing is maybe one out of 10,000. And I'm just judging this on just how many people I've fed in the past and, and just either just private conversations with how they eat and what they want to eat. I agree wholeheartedly that we're not supposed to be eating like smashed up grain seeds for you know most of our meals of the week. Right. But to, to demonize it like it has, to say that bread is has no place in our life, that pasta has no place in our life, that anything like that is mm-hmm. a fool's errand. Anytime that people are sort of, you, they have this, 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 this vibration of being anti-food, I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it, sort of a new development, it, I think. It, well, there's this, an anti-everything movement, though, if you yeah, think about it. Sure. That's, yeah. I haven't given that because I'm just so close to food in the sense. Right. This, as long as it, it, we've been, I can remember, this is just another celebration of a day that we're not going to starve. And right. uh, It should be. It should be. And, you know, my deep connections of, to food and wanting to share this with people and, and all this stuff of just having that that sensation of having that meal where all the ingredients work and we're sipping on a wine that is that is going like i outside of some sex and some travel dude i don't know what else there is man <laughs> like <laughs> good stuff in life yeah, yeah. yeah sure. sure all right next question well, you got a you got a list of them i'm sure I, well I, I mean in my pocket if i need <laughs> them so i want to go back to year 13 you step into the fridge mm-hmm. you step into the cooler where's that it's a small town, a typical small town in Alberta called Forestburg. Just all it had going was hockey, curling, and bingo. And uh, 800 people in the town called Terry's Steak and Pizza. Part-time job. Just got fired from Ford's Farm Supply, or Fred's Farm Supply for setting a car on fire. Pumping like gas. No, 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 complete accident. You know what I mean? Just uh, It was back in the day when they had the oil cans and you used to have to slam the nozzle down. I didn't slam the nozzle. This is probably before oh, your time. way too old. Yeah, for me. yeah. Yep. Tin can essentially just made a malfunction. I spilled hot oil all over a manifold, set his van on fire, and <laughs> Fred felt the need to fire me. And quite sure, I, I, was, sure. I was a shitty employee you were there. 13. I was 13, but I'll tell you, being fired was probably the best thing that happened to me because I was so embarrassed. I got fired when I was 15. Yeah. Yeah, it was super embarrassing. Super embarrassing. I came out with a tank full of gas with my next, no pun intended, with my next job at Terry's Steak and Pizza. I'm going to go, I'm going to be the best goddamn employee Terry's ever fucking seen. Pardon my language. And I got in there and I got, I scrubbed pans and pots for three days and like, holy mackerel, you haul ass. Right. Says, okay, we're going to get you on sandwiches. I walked into the walk-in cooler and that's what we were talking about. I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it. I'm. Nice. I think I was running the place like a week later, but that's that's like when you heard Greg Norman part the part the course the third time he played golf kind right. of thing. You yeah, know? yeah. You just knew that was your calling. Like I had. I, I'm sure. not even. I'm not even kidding you. Uh, like, of course, we had uh, kitchen managers. A small town, Alberta. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how how dignified is this place? Like, like a mom a, and pop. But sometimes some of the best food comes out of those restaurants. Agreed. So. No question about it. Uh, I was being. I was looking after lunch there. By the time I was 15. Uh, didn't know how to make soup. Had my mom come in, teach me how to make soup, taught me how to make beef barley, taught me how to make chowders, taught me how to thicken with roux, all that stuff. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, I was, I was into it day, day, day one. Like I was, I was going into school like 16, 17 and everybody knew that David was going to be a chef. That was right. just, yeah, that was just where it was. So you're like uh, Mark Messier when he was in high school and Mark Messier was like, I don't need to study. I'm going to be an NHL player. I might have said that a few times. Basically, I'm just like, I'm going to be a chef. 
I, I, I probably, I, you don't, like, this this kind of odd cockiness that's following me around today wasn't any well, different. I know you're super cocky, yeah. So. It wasn't any different back then. Like, I mean, like, you got to appreciate what a 15-year-old David Hustrow looks like making $1,000 a week back then. You know what I mean? That's, that's such what? huge, yes, huge How money. Were you making that much? I was making eight bucks an hour, plus I was on overtime, plus I was getting bonuses and stuff like this, plus I was getting tipped out. You know what the first thing I bought with that money, man? I bought one of those Miami Vice suits. <laughs> it's my buddy's graduation. What? I'm not even kidding oh you. Oh my god! And a big Wilson golf bag, one sure. of those great big Wilson red and white golf bags like Rodney oh, Danger had. Because that's this. It's amazing. Yeah, that's what a 15 year old rich David Husserl thinks a rich person looks like. You know what right. I mean? Is a Miami Vice suit and a big golf bag. Well, <laughs> That is what a well, rich person I, looks like. I, I still it. think that's today. <laughs> if I showed up to one of your parties with a Miami Vice suit and a golf bag, like, oh, fucking I'd rich is that guy. Money. Yeah, that thing guy. would cost a lot of money. Yeah, he's obviously well, doing well. Thousand dollars a week at doing fifteen. At fifteen, that was, and you know, thirty-five years ago, that's huge. Crazy. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. A lot, a lot of people don't make that today. I I don't doubt it. Right? I don't like, doubt it. So. You know, I mean, unbelievable yeah. for you. So, yeah, you were a rock star then, like, right off the bat. Had, well, I don't know about rock star, but was ambitious. Was right. very ambitious. Very ambitious. Um, it's easy to be ambitious when you know what you want to do or have a little bit of an idea, I think, too. That's pr it's uh, quite a bit easier to, to know, to get somewhere when you, wanna, when you know where you want to go. Right. And my life isn't necessarily in the conventional sense of what everybody is. I think that all of us have had to come to terms with that we're not going to be the richest man in the world. And it's a weird thing to, you know what I mean? That, that anybody that's ambitious go, okay, I need to find happiness and, and satisfaction in, in what, and I call it my own personal pie chart. You know what I mean? Like, how much does my health like I'm a physical guy. I like to exercise. How much is that important to me? Mm -hmm. How much is the love of like that I'm in love with my girlfriend? How much is like my parents thinking I'm cool? How important is that? Right. How important is the business aspect? And then and being fulfilled. Yeah. Because I think that if one of them is decaying in that sense too, the other ones can't flourish. You know, if my health sure. my health stinks, my business stinks. My business stinks, my health stinks. Right. Worrying about my parents, I'm gonna worry about everything else. Mm -hmm. So it's that weird pie chart of life of being complete that hopefully when you hit that sweet spot, you know what I mean? That everything grows, you know what I mean? Right. Then you're having just that big life, that big, exciting life, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Where you're, you're, you're just, what, and what, what is success? Success is just being able to do whatever you want. 100%. <laughs> right? I used to think, yeah, I always wanted like this crazy money and, and whatever. And my brother asked this question at a family function a few weeks ago where he was like, what's the <coughs> best year of your guys' life? And everybody had to go around the room and have yeah. family and answer this question, which you never talk about that kind of stuff like as a family or sure. a group of friends. Sure. And I was like, you know, other than the last two months where Kathy hurt herself, yeah. which was stressful and, you know, business sort of, you know, struggled for a bit. Even though I have nowhere near as much money as I thought I wanted, I was like last year, this year, because it's all coming together. Yeah. I've got the time. I've, I'm doing what I want to do. Like, yes. Right. Like, it's not about money necessarily. Like, even if that's what kind of drives you in the beginning, it's not what it's about. Mm. Like, nobody keeps working for more money if 
If you believe in what you're doing and you feel you're adding value to somebody else's life, money will stack. Money's right. I've known that early and often. When I'm when I'm into something and I'm passionate and I'm getting it across, money stacks. Just right. stacks. It just does, and it's not a problem anymore. And since it's like, and like this weird energy we put into that paper purchasing rectangle and all that kind of stuff. I get it. It it it's a it's a very important part of our lives and whatnot. But it's sometimes it's trying to get an erection. You focus too hard on it, it's not going to happen. You grip mm-hmm. that club too tight, you're going to just shank off into the woods. If, if you're into that flow state that everybody seems so into these days where you're like, okay, I'm doing my best work, I'm providing value to people, I sleep hard, when I hit the pillow, I'm up, I spring up, all this stuff too, money stacks. I don't spring up. Don't. <laughs> There's no spring to any part <laughs> I, of your life. <laughs> I don't spring too much. <laughs> I slowly gather myself. <laughs> I work late at end of the night. So sure. So you're balling, you're 15. Yes. You moved to Jasper. Yes. How old are you? Uh, at this time, 20, 19 years old. Uh, just I worked one year at Earl's in the big city. And it, it was the Tin Palace. It was the this third absolutely Earl's. absolutely hilarious. So last week, when I was talking to Nathan, he worked at Earl's Tin Palace. No kidding. He started 14, was his Wow. Chef. Then he went to Hotel McDonald. Unreal. Yeah. So it's just oh, so I look forward cool. to meeting this guy too. Oh, we're gonna yeah, have a lot of the similar should, stories. I should. Uh, we're, I'm gonna take him and his partner golfing soon. We'll That's fun. Well, well, it's a big connective tissue of how this whole uh, cooking thing is. The pastry chef at the Hotel Mac is uh, Romeo, who I did my apprenticeship under doing my pastry. So there, Crazy. there you go. Yeah, so. I just thought I had to bring that up. Yeah, tie like, back. This is so weird. Right? Yes, like, of course. Like, this is gonna be a nine-hour podcast. Like we're still at like fifteen, right? I know. We're I know. at twenty-five I, minutes. I'm very verbose. I'm very fine. verbose. I <laughs> split up another buddy's uh, <coughs> podcast. In I'm a two-parter. Two yeah. I'll be a two-parter. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll just need to get more drinks. Mm. Mm-hmm. And this is what's fun is that we're in a restaurant, so we can indeed. Have beers. You want to hit pause, and I'll grab you another sea change. Oh, sure. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Who's gonna say no? All right. Well, we've got another beer. Well, that's we, perfect. We've got you. You've entered Jasper. I have. At 19. 19, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, like, Jasper is such a big part of my life as well. Uh, fell in love with the community. Like, it's pretty easy to fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to do an apprenticeship at a Fairmont hotel in such a small town is a pretty rare event as well. And, you know, anybody get into cooking, it's just, I, I was so impressed that you tell you that you were in carpentry. Because there's, in my opinion, there's so many similarities in the sense that there's just so many fundamentals of, of carpentry and cooking that you just have to learn mm-hmm. before you can advance. You know, what measurements are, what, what cutting measurements are. Yeah. You know, in that sense, too, if you don't speak the language, you don't. So getting a formal, you know, uh, cooking education in the Fairmont was awesome. And then to jump right into a business at 22 at the Fiddle River Seafood Company with two other partners... I think, you know, that's where I really started to get my business education, and it just became out of... Well, you're 22. 22, uh, yeah. That's intense. It was intense, and it was, I think back at the budgets then, it was an 80-seat restaurant, 80-90-seat restaurant. We budgeted for $350,000, complete build-out. Like, just rough, the property was just roughed in. It wasn't a takeover or anything like this, too. And, uh, and just like I got, I, I learned so much of not to get into these things undercapitalized, uh, mistakes I've repeated, uh, you know, don't go over budget, don't go over time, mistakes I've repeated, 
and, and everybody all, will. Everybody will. It's just there's just so many unforeseens and if there's one thing I've always prided myself with just being on a good planner, just being good diligence, one eye on the money, one eye on the calendar and stuff like this too, but building is is a different animal because you're just relying on so many different people and and, and them to come through too. So uh, but got a huge education and like uh, owned Fiddle River for shucks seven years and probably didn't make a dime for five. Did you just say shucks? You just said shucks. I did say shucks. <laughs> I dropped an F-bomb and I said shucks. Right. Uh, so where do you come up with the money as a 22-year-old? Yeah, Canadian Small Business Loan Program. It, it, the thing is too, my partner at 27, Archie Karras, his family owned the building, so we're one of six tenants in this big sort of sort of strip mall downtown Jasper. Had such a strong business mind even at 27. Like I'm, I'm not even kidding you. Like I was, I think back of that monumental feat that we pulled off back then. It was, it was signif yeah, yeah, significant. Sure. Like this wasn't a, like a hot dog stand. Like we did a cedar like a log restaurant like a full service seafood place upstairs, which is still working and well respected today right and uh and got in there and our reviews were, were great off the top but just didn't understand the fundamentals of of business and you know just of you know where you can make so much and lose so much so when i say like we didn't make any money for five years well what i did was just pay down that debt for five years you know that right. it cost us to build all that uh i don't have rich parents uh, they they co-signed a line of credit for me, you, you know, mm -hmm. and you know, in, in explicit terms, my mom said, "Don't f this up." <laughs> you know, that's that's <laughs> or, and, or our life is yeah true. yeah they they they're you know they're they're working class folk mm -hmm. you know what I mean, but they they believed in 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 me and my work ethic and uh, and at that age, what else do you have? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's just like I'll buy groceries, I'll cook them this way, I'll sell them for a higher price. I'll keep doing it until I'm until I make it. Right. And um, you know that's that's kind of what I did. I wish I would have had back then. I wish I would have trained for about five more years. You know, and just and learned more. The but business. Of yeah, the business and the, and the cooking and yeah. the cooking in the sense that there were holes in my game that you know that even at this stage I still try to identify like <laughs> what don't I know how to do you know mm -hmm. so uh, but that. I, each opportunity you do that you know you're not going to die and provides other opportunities and, and having that restaurant just being able to show that we were able to do business just provided other opportunities some we took others you know we just didn't right and yeah so, so these guys were your business partners moving forward as well or was that the back then yeah. well the thing is too <laughs> I think in, in partnerships in, in, in with especially well in business partnerships you, you're always trying to partner with somebody that has something you don't have right, right? and hard I, to find hard to find want somebody that and you it's, think it's you of course <laughs> and of course and these kind of things are always going to identify you know um, some not necessarily weaknesses but it's just a matter of like okay how fast can I learn what he brings to the table or how fast can, you know, I, I felt at the time I was bringing more value than the other guys. So I just bought out the other guys. Okay. And, uh, and that's when other opportunities for other places came up and I just started opening other places without other guys. Oh, I see. And that then, Takara uh, next. Takara was next and then uh, big wave. And then I opened with a big partnership up North there, but taking on a partner here at the writer's room was imperative. I had such incredible success with my business partner here, Stephen Sox, that we opened up Wood Buffalo Brewing Company in Fort McMurray, Alberta. And shucks, that was, it was the shucks again, six years, seven years ago, uh, different Fort McMurray back then, sure. obviously. 
but for the first 14 months we were open, we were the busiest restaurant in Alberta, which mm. is just monumental. That's including the cactus clubs. That's including everybody. And that's just a la carte sales. And he and I knew that we had a formula. We had the same value system in business, which is a weird thing that doesn't get talked about enough often, mm-hmm. of what we thought the fundamentals take to make a successful food and beverage outlet that continually can produce profit, not just for for 18 months, but long period. Because I've, you know, food and beverage is a weird one. Like this business has been around forever. Like there's yeah. there's been caves inside of mountains with like a torch hanging outside, meaning business is open since like forever. forever. Yeah. This is just almost as long as prostitution. Hopefully as long, you know, yeah, hopefully there's a prost- the same, hopefully right? there's a whorehouse steakhouse and upstairs well, down. Sure right, no right. doubt. Like there has to be a hand job, get a ribeye, <laughs> you, you yeah, know, yeah. In, sure. in the history of, I promise you, well, you got to eat. Right? There was, I and promise you, you there's a place right. called hand job steakhouse Joe's <laughs> at, at one place. But he, he and I had were wired, and we, the similar way as far as what we knew it take, took to make a fundamentally busy, successful, passionate customers and staff. Like, we saw that uh, right. already. And, uh, you know, businesses come and go, and we, we dissolved, and we went on our separate ways, but we always had an eye on each other that if uh, another opportunity came up in a major center, that we'd pounce on it. We love Edmonton. We mm-hmm. love Edmonton for so many different reasons, and this isn't pandering. Like it's just, you know, the worst question I always get is, I got this one on the news a little while ago. It was, uh, oh my God, you had restaurants in Hawaii. Why'd you come to Edmonton? I'm like, well, why are you in Edmonton? Right. <laughs> what a jerk thing I to love say. Edmonton. Yeah, like what a what a shit thing to say. I'm like, yeah. this place is punk rock, as has decent like uh, such seasonal weather, which I love has so much rich history with hockey we've got like the best hockey player in the world right now it's got such an eclectic vibe cool but art not scene, art scene what, like, all of it a yeah. combination of it that i said like too because i'll be very honest and i don't care who knows this is like i go the writer's room is a test market flagship this is it this is the one this is the one that i'm stamping before i stamp all the other ones nice the size of the kitchen and the way that I developed the menu is ultimately I want to put these in airports all over the world. This is like I've I've said this since day one. My products can be developed in a in a four hundred square foot kitchen. Um, they're fast, they're efficient, they're all this stuff. They're delicious and nutritious. And the thing is too, something about the writers' room in that sense too is an avenue that's never been celebrated before. There's Planet Hollywood. There's Hard Rock Cafe. There's all that other bullshit. But there's also, this is tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, Hemingway like, like to drink. Bukowski like to drink. It's, right. Yeah, we're a bar, and that's what it is. Most so artists do. Yeah, it, it just is. So we're making that connection. and. Uh, well, it's a perfect spot right across from the university. Too, I agree. Right? Like, that's what. I agree. Yeah. And the and the ones that get the joke get it hard. They you know what I mean? They they get it. They they right. see they see they see that this is a tongue in cheek like hard rock for smarter people. Right. <laughs> it just is. You know? Well yeah, and there's gonna be people that and those are timeless things, right? Like that's not gonna change. You don't like a classic piece of literature sure isn't going away. It's influenced all of our favorite songs. It's influenced our favorite movies. It, it just is. It's in the it's in the core of it. So we're celebrating about it, but we're not being douchebags about it. Right, which yeah. is tough for you, right? Oh, it's a struggle. <laughs> a full time. I've taken hypnosis for it. <laughs> My brother's been in the same. <laughs> He won't listen to this, so it's no, fine. perfect. <laughs> talk, shit, talk him all he want. Right. Um, 
Okay, so, and to Kara, I'm, I am actually really sad. I met you, I believe, when you still owned it. Probably, yeah. I owned it for 20 years. Sold it, I think, three, three and a half years ago, right. around there. And I heard it was like one of the best restaurants and it was around like it, it was highly rated it's a it's it's always weird when you're talking about your own work you know what I mean because right. i'm naturally a braggart anyway but when i actually want to brag about something i'm proud of i was very proud of my work there for 20 years and i'll say this and i'll say this about even this place too i get way too much of the credit i get if i've had one skill set it's being able to attract amazing people oh yeah <laughs> i mean Perfect. My my crews are into it. You know what I mean. We mm-hmm. we do believe in great food. We do believe in the experience of being served and all that stuff too. It's uh, come full circle. Yeah, like it's right. uh, with without those kind of passionate fans and staff. Like you you know, there's lots of businesses that are okay, but they're not fun. They don't really have amazing growth potential. Ones like that that have all that sort of passion base, they they can explode hard and fast. Right. You know. Sure. So. And have his and have longevity too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, no, that's that's a cool idea. It was a question I would have gotten to at the end. It's like, what's your plan for you in the future? Mm-hmm. But now I kind of know at least this this part of the plan. My plan is is to have as much fun as anybody in the world without kill without hurting anybody. Well, you live a you live a cool huge life. unreal, huh? Like, just fucking spectacular. I don't take it for granted, man. Like, I mean it. This is fucking awesome. It's like flying first class all the time. Right. <laughs> <coughs> and oh, I just, yeah. I just mean, oh, parents that love me. Right. I mean, just, uh, just awesome life experience growing up. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, so much of what good we're... Good-looking guy. Incredibly yeah. good-looking guy. Right. Just off the charts. So well, so I average. Mean. It's so average. People, like, listening to this, if you've never seen a look at me, you're going to be horribly disappointed. But it's well, for fifty, for for forty. Like honestly, let's be. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like uh, I I don't discount how lucky I am and and all that sort of things. I mean, like uh, I am trying to curate my life a day at a time, and I know that sounds very cliche, but it's it'd be weird to play in the NBA and not realizing you're playing in the NBA, or 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 a professional athlete not knowing you're a professional athlete. Right. In the sense, like I'm very aware of the gifts I've been given very aware in the senses too and I'm like well what would somebody given my gifts do today mm-hmm. and I, I, I mean that like, and they, and they, do it. they fucking try to do it you, right. you know what I mean um, when it comes to that big pie chart again does my girlfriend love me and my parents think I'm cool and my business making money what does my partner think about me am I doing what I want to do am I being funny am I being creative am I hard working am I lazy today you mm-hmm. know what I mean I, we're, we're on this planet for just a blink of an eye you know yeah. what I mean? I've got it curated down. I'm down to four, six, 46,400 meals left if I live till I'm 90. That's how many meals I get to if I have three a, three a day. 46,400 approximately. That, it's crazy that it, you well, just came up with that in your head. Well, you know. I'm aware. I'm aware of just in the sense that I enjoy, like, the thing is, too, like, oh, you just want to go get Domino's? No, I don't want to go get Domino's. Right. It's fucking hideous to me. And I'm not, it's not saying because I'm above street food or anything like this, too. It's just like, let's take a couple seconds here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's okay. like we've got all this abundance around us. Yeah. <laughs> you know well, I mean? and I mean, Edmonton's restaurant scene has gotten so much better in the last 10 years. No question. I am so many fans of so many places around here and just even mid-price point places that you could eat all the time. Go to Northern Chicken. Go have a go have go have three pieces and three of their sides sometime. Go to Muley's, have a sandwich. Go to Hardware Grill for your anniversary. You know what I mean? Right. Fuck uh, Ruth Chris. Fuck them in their ass. 
You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> what's that other place? That Moxie's or what that place? F them too. Hope they all catch on fire on the same night. All of the garbage. Chains ones? Just no, no, I just, no. I I don't have a problem with chains. I have a problem with chains that are trying to lie to people that are saying they're one thing and they're not. You know what I mean? I don't have a problem with Earls. And they're my biggest competitor next door. I should be like, fuck Earls. No, I can't say fuck Earls. They're buying good ingredients. Good for them. Yeah, it tastes good. Great. They they buy good chicken. They don't freeze their... You know what I mean? Good for them. But assholes that that are buying garbage and trying to parse it off as good food, fuck them. So I have no problem calling out places like Moxie's and all of the asshole places. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So you own Takara. Mm-hmm. You started it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was there a restaurant there before? There was one you? right after called Evil Dave's. Okay. And I'm the Dave in Evil Dave's. Are you? Yeah. And uh, interesting spot as well. Uh, there's so many restaurants that come available. I always say, like, I bought Big Wave Cafe. We used to be Stella Blues in, in Maui with just not necessarily failed uh, operations, but just sometimes tenancy changes shape. You know what I mean? They want to move off to a bigger location. There's been a tragedy in the family or something like this too. Sure. You you can't steal in slow mo- in slow motion. You have to decide. You know, is this something that's an opportunity or, or a liability and stuff like this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Wave Cafe was like that. We come back to like Evil Dave's and Jasper was like that. My sous chef at the time, an awesome young man named Rosario Caputo who is now the uh, chef owner of Chibo Bistro here in uh, Edmonton, which won best Italian restaurant in Edmonton. Nice. He was my sous chef for five years at Takara, and his parents owned a piece of commercial uh, real estate in Jasper that had a restaurant that was was struggling along pretty bad. And they said, uh, he approached me, he says, hey, my folks want to know if you want to be a tenant. And you know that's that's how my ears get perked up, and uh, let's let's see what that looks like, and uh, let's see if I can make some money on that spot. And each place, you know, you have to have sort of an understanding of what you're going in there to do, how long you're going in there to be, all that sort of thing. Like my intentions here at the writers' room were way different than they were at, the, at Evil Dave's. Sure. M- my intention there was go in there, had an incredibly functional kitchen, flip, decorate the front, lipstick and rouge, create a new brand, call it Evil Dave's stands out a bit drive revenue sell it and that's right. precisely what I did I, you know, I owned it for two years you know I drove sales through the roof and you know made uh, a restaurateur of one of my managers and you know Beauty. internally financed it and yeah moving on nice in all your like you, it's so interesting you get to do this for a living and get to talk to business people and stuff like this too like I, I'm gonna ask you a question and it's gonna be loaded because I think I, I want you to I, it's all about relationships, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this goofy business thing. Yeah. It's all about just this, just right. just the, the the relationship of going, yeah, you know who likes to make money and can follow through? This guy. Right. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And uh, some people are just born to do it. Sure. And you you want to just be. You, I keep bringing. I always talk about bringing value. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In, in sense of of bringing that value. Of course, Rosario came and talked to me because he knew I could bring his parents value. Right. You know, that I could pay the rent on time, that, you know, the property's going to be looked after and stuff like this, too. So, building those relationships and having that trust element in place, I, I just, I don't know who else to, I, I, it's, it's so tan, it's just so fundamental in business. It's just incredible. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, that's, and when is that, when is Evil Dave's, when does that happen? That was no. That's got to be 2004, 2005. It sold it in 2008. 
Sold in 2008, had a fairly prominent real estate investment company here uh, in Alberta at one time called Big D Investments. Uh, at its peak, had 32 rental properties in its portfolio. Nice. Uh, from shucks everywhere: uh, Edmonton, St. Albert, Spruce Grove, uh, Edmonton, or sorry, Jasper, Hinton, uh, Beaumont, and uh, so a pretty diversified portfolio in the. So were you buying them during the increase, or did you sell them all after? Half, half. Half, half. Started my investment portfolio probably around 2003. Sold a restaurant in Hawaii, and that's what I did it too. I, I could have made a ton of rest money real estate in Hawaii. No saw, kidding. Saw what was happening in Edmonton at the time. Right. Sold Big Wave Cafe, used that as seed capital, bought a, a significant chunk of real estate, just cash flowing real estate here in the city. Mm-hmm. And then, like a lot of other people, just, you know, refinanced, pulled cash, levers, bought more right. stuff like this too. So. You know, you get into 2010, all the way up to today, you know, cash flow is an MFR in Edmonton as far as rental properties go. It's it's a struggle. It, you know, it's, it, it just, we're, we were all waiting for that. You know, I based my, my portfolio on that on just a nominal 4 to 6%, you know, capital increase of the property every year. You know what I mean? Like, you're seeing a 3% drop. For, for how long? You know, in the right. sense where, where rents have become softer and what, you know, it crushed my business model. I had, I had foreclosures in in, shucks, 2013, uh, 2013. Uh, I, I lost a deposit on a uh, an apartment building when I couldn't get financing in 2008. When everything just flooded, like just just slammed right. shut the next days. Just talk about expensive tuition, of stuff I didn't know could happen. You know, and just just great lessons in in this sure. that were just you know where you I think we need to make I I, I don't like it's just everybody needs those yeah I I, I I I think it's a the worst thing that can happen to somebody in my opinion just from an investment standpoint is to make an easy buck without putting work in right off the bat off the bat so in my age group is the worst for this because we were all com- we were all getting jobs coming out of sort of university, sure. buying our first condo, whatever, apartment, a year later, two years later, it's worth two, three times the value. I'm this real estate genius. You think that's normal, yeah. Everybody's a real estate genius that you know. Yeah. Now you've got 200 grand that you need to take out. Bought a speedboat. Which, of <laughs> course. And I always yeah. joke about that. And yeah. you're like, like, oh, I need to buy that jet ski or yeah. that boat or whatever. And it's just what was, it was too easy. And it's like, money isn't that easy it's to make. It's not that easy. Right, like, and it's not that easy to keep on to. That's that, it. That's the thing. It's like, a lot of people can make a lot of money fast sometimes. But do they create and keep it? Generally, no, if, if they got lucky, like in the first. Absolutely, my, my line chart looks like an EKG. You know what I mean? My net worth <laughs> right. looks like yeah, an EKG. Sure. It just did. I, but I accepted that getting into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know what I mean? I, I knew that. I mean, like, but I, I haven't had a job. Well, I, since I've, I don't remember. You know, you know, in that sense too. Right. Like, I, I, I worked at a strip club for three months just to get over some stage fright. But I don't. I think my checks are still there. 
I, uh, <laughs> I have done funny. I kind of wanted to get into that. You know, like, what was that part of your life? But we haven't even got to the sure. comedy part. Yet, sure. So. Sure. You know, <laughs> it, it, in a sense. Yeah. So that's, um, I, I, I've also understood that I'm never going to die of starvation or exposure. I'm, it allows me to take risks. I, I don't have children. We've talked about that. I'm, I'm pretty sure my attitude, my position and my posture would change if I had dependents other than just other than people that depended on me emotionally. You know, it, it, my behavior might be a little bit different, but I, I don't even know if that would be true too, because if I had dependents, I'd be like, okay, now I really got to fucking get after this. You know what I mean? Right. Now, I'm not a good employee. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, I think I know more than everybody, which is, it can't be true, but you also have to have that belief in what you're doing or else, uh, why are you, who's going to believe you to go storm that mountain? Right. <laughs> you know, it's... Well, you know you're... You know, you're one of the like you're, uh, you're Red Seal chef. Is that what it is? Like, yeah, that, I think that I, I I'm not even sure. Mean? I'm not even sure if that means a lot anymore. It's it's a ticketed item, like a like just a trade, uh, like a welder or whatnot. I, I'm proud of the fact that I have it. Don't get me wrong. Like, mm-hmm. and I'll be honest with you, I didn't I didn't get it until I didn't write it till three years ago. Okay, and. I did it in the sense that I was, I was a terrible student, didn't graduate high school. Why uh, would you? 30 years ago, you were making four grand a month. It seems obscene, but I mean, it was it was just, I, I was just, right. I was on a path. I was on yeah. a path. I was on a path. And I'm, <laughs> I was just like, I uh, wasn't a good student. I just wasn't a good student. And the idea of getting back into the classroom when I knew that I could just learn it myself and be around other chefs and, and do that, and then it just came, I had some time come available after I sold to Kara, and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna find holes in my game that I, like, just when I, I went through a lot of systems and I rose pretty fast, and I'm like, okay, I've never butchered apart a whole side of beef. I've never, I've never, you know, I went through a lot okay, of yeah, yeah. a lot of stuff that I had never gone mm-hmm. through, and I'm like, okay, I don't have my red seal. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna study it, and I'm gonna go write it. And I, I worked hard at it, I studied, and I went, I got like 72. Right. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, isn't that bizarre? Like, I love cooking so much, but I'm like, I'm not a good student. I'm just, right. I'm just not. So, being able to be self-aware, identify this is when I've had success. This is mm-hmm. where I'm not successful in this arena, and and just try to, you know, I think we and I've played poker or talked poker a little bit in the past, a little I've bit. Never played poker, and I don't get invited to the comedy poker things, but I love poker. Poker, I always try to tell people it's all about game selection, right? Right. I, I think that some of this too is a game selection of, in your life of find out where you excel and mm-hmm. don't excel and, and just try to position yourself like that. Right. You know, I, I've, I'm a chef and a restaurateur cause I'm attracted to, to fatty, salty food and cold beer and attractive waitresses and the loud and the noise and the money and the, then everything. Mm-hmm. If I was, a tr- you know, if I was, there's a reason I'm not a Cub Scout leader. There you go. Yeah, you, you know, you get fired yeah. or put in jail. It's quick, that just yeah, it's not for yeah. me. It's yeah. not for me. This is this is an environment I get to be myself in. For sure, you know, and uh, hopefully excel at it, and hopefully try to get better at it every day. Right. You know, this is such an odd craft of cooking, mm-hmm. in the sense of you know you're just always trying to get better and and be better than the guy the next time. But uh, I I love the path I'm on. You know what I mean? I'm in the I'm not in the business of creating landmines or making landmines. I'm in the business of fucking feeding people. Yeah, man. Good like times. just, just like nothing better than having a meal and a drink with your family, yeah. and friends, and 
just and having a good time. A reflection of like, fuck, this is awesome. This yeah. is what we're put on the dirt for. So mm-hmm. those are the we moments. haven't talked any business, huh? For a business co- podcast, not a ton of cash flow conversation. Well, I don't talk about that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't care about that. I, t- I care about the story. Okay. I uh, I think stories are so much more interesting. I'm not going to talk to you about numbers. I don't mm. care about that kind of thing. Interesting. Good. Uh, like uh, you know, it you can tell when somebody's successful or had seen some success. It's not without them telling you. Oh yeah, you. I'm not going to show a financial statement or a balance sheet, but I, I I'm always curious in the sense when we talk about business talk of like. Like when I listen to business business podcasts, I don't know if you listen to any. I like I I'm really into a few of them. I like the Brink. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic when they when they dissect companies of where they had to just turn the corner, or okay, or, or, yeah, or broke. Yeah. Like the one I listened to today was was Radio Shack. Perfect example. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's just we we before this podcast, you and I we sat down. We just talked about just the incredibly efficient ways it is to gain information. We talked about like when you talked about uh, carpentry, mm-hmm. and YouTube sites and stuff like this too. Why more folks aren't more passionate about learning about stuff that they're interested in, and if you're interested in business or anything like this too, it's just it's it's a fascinating time. More we, information out there than what do you want to build? We can we can learn it in a day. Pretty much, you know. So, well, you want to learn how to craft a guitar? Go learn how to craft a guitar on well, YouTube. I made a few good meals based on your channel. Oh, thank you. I can teach you how to make that. Yes, yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Well, I think everybody can take that sort of uh, thought and do it with their business life as well. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's so many people, it was interesting what we're like reading about being financially literate when you're younger is, interesting thing about like people have done well, they always want to share the path, you know? Right. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing that they do, just being able to, to learn from other business leaders or other financial minds that love putting it on paper, going, hey, this is, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a fantastic you created time. Created the framework, and you don't have to recreate the wheel to be successful. You really don't. And that's what I think a lot of people worry. About. Oh, I need the the most original idea. No, you don't. Like, are you are you inspired by people that aren't that bright that have made a ton of cash? No, I'm inspired by good people that don't fuck people over to make them. Cash. Yeah, there's lots of money. You don't need to fuck people over nowadays, or any days. There's just money everywhere. You I, can create. I like it. good people that did good things. Yeah, that they were passionate about, that made money. I've I I, I get what you're saying. I, I wanted to just frame my question there in the sense like I've seen so many just very moderate intellects, just just really have incredibly successful business lives just by following a few. Sound but I don't see it like that, and I never will. I, uh, so, like, it's, okay, I'll give you a good example, sure. and I'll have him on the show. So I I guess from my family compared to sort of one of my best friend's families, uh, we're the children of a doctor. We're more intellectual than sort of our best friend's family. He's a carpenter. He's the one that taught me how to be a carpenter. Mm-hmm. He is the most interesting greatest guy who's sort of on the planet and if you were like write a report on this he'd fail but if you got him in that in that world he is a million times smarter than I am or basically anybody that walked into it at doing that 
and he could remember things about so I just realized after I got older like you're maybe not a good student but you are a really good you know food better than that other guy mm -hmm. without if I walked in maybe I could learn it but I wouldn't be like right I would actually have to try really hard mm -hmm. to learn mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. whereas some people don't have to try to learn things you know what I mean like, sure there are certain things I could never learn how to do I could never learn how to play a musical instrument or sing or speak another language. I don't think my brain works that mm -hmm. way. But if you got me on a comedy stage, I know what makes people laugh mm -hmm. based on the way that I say it. Mm -hmm. I'm not the funniest guy around, but I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm good at numbers and writing stuff and whatever. Like, am I the greatest? No, but... Take advantage of your skills. Well, if you were the greatest, I wouldn't be on your podcast. Let's be for, no, let's, you let's would. do you're, the honest math here. Let's right. Well, you know, maybe I will be, and then you'll be like, I was guest very seven. On, yeah. Uh, this will be my this will be my credit. I don't. I was on Kent Tilly's podcast really early, and I don't think I'm not driven by being a big businessman. Uh, so that'll probably never happen. Do you do you feel you 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 walk around with a sense of satisfaction though? Is that is it comes away by itself a, honestly, right? Though? I'm a financial planner that is sitting here in flip flops and my well, K four hat and my jeans kay. with a very successful business owner doing a podcast that I make a living being a financial planner. I love it. I love that you brought that up because I, and maybe we can actually, we're probably going to wrap this. I'm not, it's your podcast. We're going to wrap it up just because I have to pee and I've got somebody waiting for me upstairs. But I'm glad you touched on that because what I've often thought is you look like the thing is too, you can't, you don't know anybody's net worth anymore. You don't know anybody's um, prowess in the business community by the way they dress. Because in the old days, I think you, we would have seen you and I wearing a monocle. That right. monocle would have been like standard issue, like got a straight yeah. up central, like yeah. I would have had to be, and a lot of Mwah talk, right? There, I would yeah. have had to a lot of that, and uh, what other kind of rich guys clothes? But you look at like the Mark Cubans nowadays, and you, 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 the flip flops, the ball cap, you know, in this sense too, it's the financial. Because I've I've always had a little bit allergic to financial planners, right? In the sense that I know you've heard this speech a million times too, and I'm I I and I mean this in the way, when I come full circle, you'll see where I'm getting at. Yeah. It's, it's almost in the same way that when I went to 24-hour fitness and the dude wanted to talk me through my fitness goals. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I'm like, you should be asking me. Right. I'm like, you're, you're 23, you don't look like you do 20 push-ups. You know what I mean? I'm almost 50. Like, I'm a, I'm a physical specimen at this age. Like, I have all my hair, my teeth are unreal. I can blast down to off 100 push-ups. Maybe we should flip this over. So right. for me to go, when I've had conversations in the past that people want to offer me a financial advice, and, and I've been a prick like this since I was 14 years old when I got called into our, uh, our educational planning in, the, in, in, high, in high school, and he asked me what I wanted to be, and I, everybody knows what I want to be. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, I can help you with your career. I go, well, what are you driving? He says, right. an Aries K car. I go, conversation over. So you're 15 and you're making four thousand. I'm I'm crushing this. I'm crushing this guy. Right. I'm crushing this guy in the sense of the goodwill in in, in the 24-hour fitness guy. And I'm like, what are you gonna tell me? You're gonna adjust my diet. You're gonna tell me to do wide grip pull-ups better. Right. So when I sit down with a financial planner, I'm always in the sense of like, I don't know if we our goals are aligned. Mm -hmm. In the sense of of what that means, but I also understand uh, you need people in your life 
to look after areas of life that I'm good at developing cash in the mm-hmm. senses too, but also trying to manage your cash and being a financial planner. I can completely now at this stage of my life understand where somebody like yourself and your company is so important. Right. You know, whereas I couldn't in the past, mm-hmm. I can completely now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's, but uh, uh, business owners, it's hard for business owners because the best investment you're ever going to make is in yourself. Totally. And so that's where it's really hard because it is a hard conversation to have. I can't tell you, oh, look, guess what? You're going to put your money in the stock market and you're going to make 6%. You're sure. going to be like, fuck you. Like, I made, I, I can make 200% mm. if this goes right or sure. more than that. Where it's, it's sort of like, uh, yes, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do what you do. It's kind of like Tiger Woods needing a golf coach. Like, sure. Yeah, he's sure. not a better golfer than Tiger Woods. I'm not a better business owner than you. Uh, you're more successful than I am. That doesn't mean that there aren't little tips no question. that you can take. No question. And it's and for me, it's not. It's always never been about. I just want to teach. And if I teach and you think that I teach you in a way that is understandable to you, then we can work together. It's it's very important. That's, it's that's very important to have people like yourself in my life, even if not in a formal capacity yet, even in this kind of capacity, then we're sharing ideas. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I, I try to surround myself with people who just bright people. It just helps. My accountant, my bookkeeper, my lawyer, all these people are just a monumental part of my team that I, right. you know, that, that are, I'm trying to get to that goal of that, that quiet, quiet enlightenment of that soft vibration of just that pure satisfaction of life that I was talking about, the, right. big, the big pie chart. Lots of money, lots of great food, lots of wine, lots of sunsets, lots of laughs, lots of doing exactly whatever we want. That's, mm-hmm. that's purely, that's, that's, what, that's, that's what it's all about, so... What a great way to wrap up, right? Yeah, awesome. Well, Dude. thank you very much. I want to have you on again. We, we got way too much. <laughs> yeah, we will. I'm a mouthpiece. <laughs> well, that's great, though. Awesome. Thanks, Unreal. Buddy. Thank you, my man. Appreciate Thanks it. For Thanks for having, having me. For Truly, sure. that was great. All right.